Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Yokohama tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us across the country on Outkick the Coverage here on Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a good Friday. We are going now down to the great state of Florida where they have been instrumental in helping to bring back sports in the country. Uh, And we're joined now by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Governor, I appreciate you getting up early with us here. And uh, what's the latest on the ground, as you can tell people across the country uh, in the state of Florida this morning as we head into the weekend? Well, thanks for having me on, Clay. I mean, I would, I'm really proud that of all the most of the sporting events, I think other than the one NASCAR race, and we wanted that one in Florida too, but that they did it in South Carolina because most of the drivers are in that area. Um, you know, we've done two different charity golf. We've done UFC. We've had WWE. We are going to get a NASCAR race um, uh, going in June, I believe. And then we're looking to potentially be in Central Florida, the host of Major League Soccer and potentially the NBA. So I've said very, very early, we welcome all this it's very important for our country you're never going to be back to normal if people don't see sports on tv and so i think it's something as a sports fan i just want to see because uh you know i haven't had a lot of time to watch tv over the last couple months but when i'm home at night I, you turn on a game they're just not there um in fact i think i had on the um uh you know watching stuff from 2000 watched the fiesta bowl last night part of it ohio state by the Miami way from let's talk let's talk about that because i was watching that game as well last night the replay what do you think about the pass interference call? 
Yeah, I remember at the time. I mean, I look, I, I'm a Florida guy, so I was rooting for the Canes over the, the Buckeyes. My wife's a Buckeye, so uh, we had a little bit. I yes. didn't know her then, but um, we, uh, but, but yeah, I, I think it was. I think it was a bum call. I mean, I think that Miami team. I mean, talent. They were stacked. They obviously had. Um, you know, they did well the year before as well, winning. But uh, it was uh, it was one of those things. But you know, that really kind of set Ohio State, and then they were able to because they really hadn't gotten over the hump until that point. So it was a big victory for them. And I know my wife and her family are very happy with that call as a kid growing up uh i'm gonna get to little league world series because i I don't know that i've heard you talk about that before but were you a big fan of all sports in the state of florida because you grew up you're almost exactly my age i think you got to watch a lot of the fun and gun with steve spurrier as you mentioned you got the late stages of the miami dynasty and then them rebuilding uh, a new one that was pretty impressive and obviously bobby bowden and florida state i mean that's the golden age of about 20 years there of college football and it was mostly located in the state of florida uh, no, it was phenomenal growing up. I, when I was first started getting into it in the '80s, I was a kid. I liked the Hurricanes, and uh, when they played Notre Dame in the famous Catholics versus convicts game, I'm rooting for Miami. You know, my grandparents and stuff. You know, we're all Catholic. They're like, "Why are you not rooting for Notre Dame?" But I'm rooting for Miami. But then what happened was. I went in high school to the swamp at University of Florida, and actually I was there when one of Peyton Manning's games um, for Tennessee, and it was an electric atmosphere. And then just SEC, so you know I rooted for all the Florida teams, but but that SEC football, there's just something that's so special about it. And certainly, you know, '90s, and then when the, in the T- Tim Tebow years, Florida was uh, was the class of the East most of the time. It's been a little more difficult in the last few years, but uh, but yeah, it's been great. I tell you what, I did uh, last. Last year was I signed a letter of congratulations to every blue chip uh, recruit that came out of high school in the state of Florida. And the thing is, a lot of them are going to Alabama, Clemson, Georgia. You go back in the 80s and 90s, and I challenge you to find very many uh, blue chip recruits who were leaving the state of Florida. And so it just shows you the competition is really fierce. Um, I think Florida has a, you know, I think Florida, if you look and, and honestly looked at last season, I think they probably played LSU better than anybody. Um, it was a tough game going to LSU. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they lost to Georgia. And, and so they're not where they need to be, but I think they're on the good road to do that they got a great coach um and then fsu is going to take a little bit more time i mean that that really um you know went south um but hopefully they both get back because it's really great we if you won the state championship you were probably the best team in the country uh back in the 80s and 90s and it was a really neat era to grow up in we're talking to ron desantis you just mentioned uh, all the high school talent that comes out of the state of florida and really goes all over the country Do you expect for high school football to be played in, I know a lot of people are focusing on pro football and they're focusing on college football, but in the state of Florida, do you expect high school football to be able to be played in some form or fashion this fall? Absolutely. I mean, this is so important for our kids, uh, particularly those who are going to be seniors. Uh, We need to be able, they need to be playing. And, um, you know, I'm convinced that that it's, um, that it's something that'll be that'll be safe to do. So we should absolutely assume a, a full uh, full high school football season. And I know, look, we had a lot of kids in these spring sports. They got deprived uh, of some of their senior years, and obviously you have other folks in, in lower. But to just be deprived of a season is a big, big, big problem. 
Um, we turned on all the youth sports and youth camps in Florida, so that's able to be done right now. Now, that's separate, not necessarily tied to being in school with the summer stuff, but I think we're going to see that that's going to go very well, and I think there'll be a lot of momentum to make sure that, that we have our kids uh, being able to play um, in the fall. And here's the thing. If a parent doesn't want their kid to play, then don't, then don't let them play. But to deprive other kids of the opportunity, you know, I think would be a big mistake. And that obviously would tie in, I would imagine, with the idea of kids being back in school, in your opinion, this fall in Florida, that that's important to do as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think when we went into this coronavirus, um, it was pretty obvious as we got into like early March that for whatever reason, uh, young people were just much less likely to suffer severe consequences. It's interesting in Florida so far, we have more COVID related fatalities age 90 and above than we do age 65 and below. Uh, but then when you get to the zero to 18, Florida has zero fatalities in that age group. And so we understood, I think, just from looking at Italy's data, South Korea's data, uh, that for whatever reason, kids were less likely to suffer severe clinical consequences. But the thought was, like a flu outbreak, that the kids would be the main drivers of it, that they would be infecting the teachers and the parents. And so I think that's what led to a lot of the school closures. But you look at a lot of the research that's been done in Europe, Australia, other places, uh, they're not finding kids being, you know, significant significant uh, components in spreading this thing. Um, and so that's something that needs to be taken into account. The influenza model, although I understood why people embraced it at the time, doesn't really seem to be applicable when you're talking about uh, coronavirus. And so we should really be judged, we should really be guided by the actual evidence and the actual data when we're making these decisions. Why isn't that happening? By the way, thank you so much for just sharing all of that because I've been trying to share the actual data with my audience ever since this started because I want sports back, right? And I want a return to normalcy in this country, and I don't see that as being partisan in any way. And a stat you just gave, Florida has had more people die who are 90-plus than 65 and below, zero under the age uh, from the age of zero to 18, and the fact that kids don't seem to be top transmitters. Uh, we talked about this with Senator Toomey from Pennsylvania last week because he's argued Little League Baseball needs to come back. Why do you think everything has become so partisan and the actual data is rarely, if ever, being talked about by many of our political leaders? You know, I think part of it is the co the country obviously has been very politicized. Everything you do, I mean, hell, a lot of sports channels get very politicized. That's, I think, an unfortunate part um, of of where we are as a country. But part of it is just the national media. Their number one mission in life is to eject the president of the United States from office. And so, whatever they can do to try to shape a narrative. And I think in this case, if you go back the end of January, I, I was one of the guys that public called on the president to stop the flights from China because we saw this and, you know, we, we saw it spreading in Wuhan and other places. Um, and he did. And he was criticized for that. They said, oh, this is just like, this is less dangerous than the flu. They downplayed it because he did it. Then when he said it was going to be fine, then they said, so I think a lot of this was based off political narrative. Uh, clearly, uh, good, good data is just not highlighted. It's dismissed. And then they'll try to spotlight things uh, that really aren't reflective of the data. Uh, 
Um, and I think that, it, and it's not just the fact that, that they're doing that for political purposes. It has an effect. So, for example, if you look around the country, uh, mid-March, certainly until May, uh, you had a huge decline in the number of people who were showing up to get medical treatment for heart problems and stroke symptoms. Now, we don't think that strokes and heart attacks just stopped in mid-March, right? So the, the thing, the obvious assumption would be that people were fearful of going to get medical treatment because of coronavirus. Some people thought they would catch it and die. Some people thought that the hospitals were all overflowed. They wouldn't have a bed. Whatever reason, that was uh, directly affecting people's health and wellness. And so we've had to go out in Florida. I've had doctors, I've done events at hospitals saying, if you have heart problems, do go get medical attention. Don't put it off. Um, but it's really been frustrating to see um, you know that type of an effect. I think people are starting to understand, look, this is something that's a serious pathogen, but it is a pathogen that has a disproportionate impact on not just those 65 and older, but if you really look at it, 65 and older in long-term care facilities or that have one or more comorbidities, that is really where you see the vast, vast majority uh, of the fatalities for this. If you're under 50, kind of working age population, uh, I would say in Florida of the deaths that are 50 and under, I'd say 99% are linked to uh, significant you know, comorbidity. I mean, people that have had uh, you know, serious complications. And, and obviously that's important and you want to have policies that can help protect those folks. But to act like if you're 30 years old and you leave your house, that somehow you have a great chance of catching this and dying, it's just not factually accurate. We're talking to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. One of the things that's frustrated me that you just hit on is I don't know how many times on media and social media I saw people talking about Floridians walking on the beach uh, and the fact that your state was going to be the next Italy or your state was going to be the next New York City. All of the negativity that could rain down upon you and your state and your citizens from the national media did. You open up the state. Numbers have declined, you know, hospitalization, I believe, cases, deaths in general, and or stayed stable. I know this. I, I lived in Florida for much of May. I've got a home in Rosemary Beach, fantastic place. Beaches were spectacular. I thought you've done a great job opening up the state. So I literally lived uh, in the state of Florida as much of this was going on. And I couldn't believe how dishonest and untrue much of the media was. Again, that had to be incredibly frustrating to you because, as you just mentioned, the way that your state was being covered may well have cost lives because people were so terrified to go seek treatment. How bad of a job, in your opinion, has the national media done informing and covering the coronavirus, particularly related to your state? Well, those folks in the national media are, are rabidly partisan, and so it's all through their partisanship, and, and that's why they, they, they treated Florida the way it is. Um, and it's nothing more than that, because you look at some of the other states that they've elevated as being darlings and governors, you know, have done a really, really poor job in terms of the results. But I think this really crystallizes how just out of touch they were. The first time they had a freak out about people being on the beach was March 15th. It was people on Clearwater Beach. They were, you know, just out there. They thought that was the worst thing ever. Um, that same day is when we signed our order that, one, prohibited people from entering nursing homes for visitation, and two, prohibited hospitals from sending sick 
infectious coronavirus patients back into nursing homes. And as we know, you know, New York, Michigan, Pennsylvania, a lot of these other states, they did the exact opposite. They forced sick patients into nursing homes, which obviously is a tinderbox because it spreads with amongst the most vulnerable, and that's part of the reason they have such high death count. Nobody in the media said anything about those early actions to protect the most vulnerable. They were more concerned about 25-year-olds or 18-year-olds on the beach, which is a very low-risk environment, and they had no interest in actually covering what was actually important. So we were taking the steps that you needed to do, and the results have been what they are. We have a much lower uh, fatality rate in our long-term care facilities. In fact, some of these states have more fatalities just among long-term care facilities than Florida has for the entire state, including everyone, sometimes two or three times as much. Uh, so, so those actions were just ignored um, in favor of more political narratives. And so, and I also just, you have to go by science and data. And the fact is, it was very obvious by the time we got into March that this was not a virus that was terribly transmissible outdoors. Doesn't mean it couldn't happen, obviously, if you get close enough to people. But for doing routine outdoor activity, it was simply low risk. The places where this thing was really being transmitted were those enclosed environments where you're in repeated contact with people, usually over an extended period of time, a prison, a nursing home, people's individual homes. Homes are the number one place where we've had outbreaks nationwide, in the home, amongst family members. So um, they didn't care about any of the science. They didn't care about the data. It was all about a political narrative, and I'm in the other party from them, and so they're going to attack. That's just the nature of the beast. You're a smart guy. You went to Yale. You went to Harvard. It didn't matter. You were a Republican governor in a state that voted Republican with people out walking on the beaches. The data since you have opened has really, I mean, I even saw ABC tweet last night that all the 21 states that have been open since May have not seen any increase overall in cases, hospitalizations, or deaths since they opened. Uh, but you mentioned earlier how politics often can infect uh, the, uh, the world of sports. We had Peter King. You may know Peter King. Uh, who uh, who works for NBC and does a Monday morning football quarterback uh, column. And we had him on, and you mentioned your data. You are basically identical to the state of California. And a lot of people out in the media have been like, oh, Gavin Newsom is the greatest governor in the history of mankind. They certainly have praised Andrew Cuomo, uh, even though, as you mentioned, the nursing home decision that he made and Gretchen Whitmer made and the governor Wolf of Pennsylvania made has been disastrous. But I, I talked about the governor's work. This was uh, last month. I want you to listen to it. I'm not sure if you've heard it. We put it on social, but this is only 20 seconds. Listen to this. Ron DeSantis did a good job because the numbers are not very bad. I would Florida. not say I would absolutely would not say that Ron DeSantis did a good okay. job. But my question he was is a day late and forty dollars short. All right, we obliterated Peter King when he came on <laughs> because he had no data. But that's an example of a sports figure. What's your reaction when you hear a guy who's clearly not looking at the data? I say, if you look at the data, you're doing a pretty good job. And by the way, I also gave credit to other governors of other political parties because I try to be bipartisan on this show and certainly because I don't think the coronavirus is partisan. But when you see a sports figure like that, a guy with a million Twitter followers who's out there ripping you, and by the way, he rips me all the time too because I don't have the right opinions in his mind. What do you think? 
Well, one thing I realized, and I didn't really appreciate this growing up, is just how partisan a lot of sports journalists are. I mean, these guys are just unbelievable how partisan and how political they can get. And I don't know if that's because, you know, they don't feel like they get respected as much as kind of someone covering, like, international affairs or whatever. Um, But it's it's, it's very much groupthink. I can tell a sports writer almost immediately they're all going to have the same political opinions. And so it's, it's really very unoriginal. But it's interesting. So you not only compare like Florida with like a New York or a New Jersey or any of these states, I mean, our, our fatality per 100,000 are way, way less, even though we have the most vulnerable population. But you also have to look at, you know, I didn't shut down construction. I, ca- I was accelerating road projects here. We handled this in a very moderate, reasonable way and still had much better health outcomes. But the Wall Street Journal pointed out, our unemployment for construction, we only lost 4% of the jobs during this period. New York and these states were 40 to 50%. So they're going to end up with they've obviously worse health outcomes, but then also the economic shocks are going to last long and long. We've done a, a good job of mitigating that in Florida. Obviously, the tourism is what it is, but that's going to come back. Um, uh, so you have to look at it. Who is following the data in terms of, of trying to generate the best health outcomes? But also following the data means you don't do things that are going to cause other types of harms that are not going to do anything to to help the health as well. And I think so many of these policies, you look around the country, you can't plant seeds in your front yard, you can't go to a drive-in church service, all these things that have nothing to do with slowing the disease, um, but really I think sowed a lot of uh, mistrust amongst the citizens of some of those states. You mentioned the data from nursing homes and long-term care facilities. It was clear from Washington State where this first outbreak was noticed that these were particularly vulnerable populations. You made the right decision in Florida, and as a result, fewer people have died than would have otherwise. What data were the governors of New York, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Minnesota, all these places that have had wildly high death rates looking at when they decided to take coronavirus patients out of the hospital and send them back to nursing homes. I mean, that seems like just an utterly disastrous decision on its face, regardless of anything other than looking at the data. I don't think it was data, but I think what it was were these um, these models, these doomsday models that were prepared mostly by academics, people who really aren't actually treating any patients or anything, but they were doing that, and they would say that our hospitals are going to be overwhelmed. So, for example, there was one model that said by April 24th, Florida would have 464,000 people hospitalized because of coronavirus. Now, that's actually a terrifying thing because we only have 70,000 licensed hospital beds in the entire state. Um, So that's what they were predicting. Now, if you go to April 24th, you know how many people we actually had hospitalized? Not 464,000. We had 2,100 people hospitalized. And so all those models were floating around. I had so many models put on my desk. And it was obvious that they were based on implausible assumptions. They knew nothing about the underlying states. I had some that said in three days, half the hospitals in Florida will be overwhelmed. And I'm like, really? I was like, well, what's our census right now? Oh, we have 50% of our beds available statewide. Well, how are we going to be overwhelmed all of a sudden? So I rejected those models as being implausible because it didn't reflect the actual hospital data that I was getting in real time. I think what a lot of those governors feared was, oh, we're going to be 100 
100,000 hospital beds short. So if you have a nursing home resident who's COVID positive, but they're medically stable, they wanted to move them out of the hospital to be able to have beds available for this mythical surge that was going to happen. And so that decision to put a medically stable but infectious COVID patient in back into a nursing home that didn't have the ability to properly isolate them was obviously um, wrong. But it's wrong even if you believe the models, Clay, it was still wrong because we know the hospitalizations are driven by the people in that age group. So if you take an infectious nursing home patient and put them in the nursing home, you're going to end up having more nursing home residents come and need hospital care. So even if you believe the models, it still was the wrong decision. But I think it was all flowed from those apocalyptic models trying to conserve as much hospital space as possible. And obviously, you know, those models were, were inherently flawed. The media ran with them. The media hyped them up. But I think most people that asked critical questions about them at the time, it wasn't very difficult to see that they really weren't based on any actual facts or data. We're talking to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. You were the captain of the Yale baseball team, and you went up to Williamsport to play in the Little League World Series. How important is Little League coming back to our kids who have had much taken away from them, as you said, since school shut down? And what was your experience like in the Little League World Series? Well, we actually set out to go to Williamsport from day one. We had uh, we wrote underneath our hats WWT. We want Taiwan because Taiwan was the powerhouse then. <laughs> That's right. You know, they would win every year. Now it turns out that you know they were playing fourteen year olds yeah, in the twelve year old right. league. But which is sweet. It was kind of suspicious because they all had mustaches. You were like, wait uh, no, a minute, yeah. I don't know how old these kids are. So so we ended up we we and we made it. And we, so that there was only four American teams at that time. So we were U.S. South. That's all thirteen states in the Southeast, including Texas. Um, and we ended up, we played California in the first round. It was single elimination then. They didn't have what they had now. We were definitely the best American team pound for pound. But California had this dude. He, I think he was shaving. He looked like he was like 16. He was throwing, <laughs> he was throwing 81 from 45 feet away. So that's the equivalent, I think, of about 108 from when you're doing 81 from there. So the dude's just blowing smoke. And we, I, somehow we scored four runs off of him, but he ended up hitting like a three. And, and when, when we were doing batting practice out, they have kind of like other fields you do it. He was hitting like three, you know, the little league fence is like 200 yards, 200, 200 feet. This dude was hitting 330 yards, <laughs> 330 feet bombs in, in BP. It was unbelievable. So they, so we lost five to four. They ended up losing to Taiwan in the championship game. I think had we made it to the championship game, I think we would have had a good chance uh, to beat Taiwan. But you go out there, I mean, it's like, it's, for a 12-year-old kid, it's like heaven. I mean, this beautiful stadium. They now have another stadium, but they didn't at the time. You know, you have the hills where people will sit, made big scoreboard, field is perfectly manicured, you know, really, really neat thing. But I think just as a kid, to set out to do that and then to end up getting there, you know, really, I think, taught a lot of us that, okay, if you set goals and you work, and we practiced every day over the summer, you practice hard, you have the opportunity to do some of those things. And so, so it was really good. And then I was also fortunate. I grew up in Dunedin, Florida. Uh, our high school facilities were the Toronto Blue Jays spring training facilities. That was owned by the city of Dunedin. So we play, we would practice and play our home high school games 
in the, the spring training park for the Toronto Blue Jays. And so I played four years in college. You know, we played, obviously, you know, I played North, Northeast folks, but then, you know, we played Vandy, we played, you know, Kentucky, we played Florida teams, we played all across the country. I never played on a better field in any game in college than I did every day in high school being able to play in that spring training stadium. So it was a really good small city to grow up in to want to if you like baseball um it was you had a lot of opportunities question for you about tom brady where were you when you found out brady was going to go to tampa bay do you think the bucks are a legit super bowl contender with him well, the answer to the second question is yes, and I think Tom has a chance. He's obviously, you know, without peer, but he has a chance to do something I don't think has ever been done is, is have a home team host a Super Bowl um, in Tampa if he can get us there. And so I, I think uh, he's got a lot of weapons, and then to bring Gronk on is really exciting. I was surprised. I mean, you, know, you kind of heard different things, uh, but I just assumed he'd end up staying with New England. Um, and Tampa at first wasn't really talked about there. I think they were talking about the Raiders and some other teams. So when we did it, I was really, really excited. And I know a lot of people in the, in the Tampa Bay area are excited. You know, Coach Arians is a good coach. And so I think everyone's really, really excited. And, you know, Tom Tom, he works his butt off. I mean, this guy, uh, he doesn't take anything for granted. He really wants to win in Tampa, and so I think it's the right decision. You know, Tampa played pretty good in a lot of those games, but they just they had too many turnovers at the quarterback position. I think Tom will, will certainly fix that. Do you believe there will be fans in football stadiums? You got the Super Bowl down in Tampa. Brady's down there. But you also, as we've talked about, Florida State, Florida, Miami, lots of big college football. I saw the state of Texas now starting in June, 25% occupancy. How close do you think you are to allowing fans to attend sporting events in Florida? So we're working on some stuff for June uh, with with some of the um, uh, entities. But I think certainly by the fall, uh, we should assume that there's going to be fans. I mean, if something changes, you can always make make arrangements. But I'm really frustrated when I hear people say ruling out fans for the fall already. I, really? How could you even do that? I mean, we you, know, you go back two months in terms of where we are. It's like night and day. And so nobody really knows how this thing's going to go. But I think if you look, I think the, uh, Asia, Europe, peak, they're, they're on the decline. U.S. is on the decline. So the assumption should be, we're going to play and, and we're going to have fans. As you get closer, if something happens, then you can always make, um, you know, make different arrangements or accommodations. But to simply rule it out, um, I think, is a, is a huge mistake. And it's also just, uh, from a psychological perspective, the message that sends to people, uh, I think, is not the message that we want to be sending. Last question. I appreciate all the time. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, do you think the NBA and MLS will be in some way in Florida to resume their seasons? The red carpet is open. Uh, I know Disney's having dis- productive discussions. I don't know that they have a deal yet, but Florida will be a great place to go uh, for it. And, and here's the thing. These athletes, they don't need to be quarantined or any of this other stuff. I mean, you know, the, the grocery store clerks aren't quarantined, people that work in everything. So, you know, they'll have a campus, but I think that they, in Florida, we're not going to expect them to, to never leave their room just to play games. And so I think it'll be a good environment for the athletes as well. Um, and obviously the fans would love to see it. So we think, we think the soccer looks pretty good and, and hopefully the NBA as well. Look, the first league that gets out there is going to have a huge group of fans that are going to want to watch. I mean, 
Tiger and Phil got almost 6 million people just for a charity golf match. If you get out there, people will watch. There's no doubt. I think someone that gets there quickly is going to be able to get a lot of fans. Outstanding stuff. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. I appreciate all of you hanging out uh, with us. Encourage you to share the podcast, share the interviews, follow me on Twitter. Some information is really important surrounding the coronavirus and a return to normalcy. The data is all moving in a very good direction. All 21 states that have opened up seeing decline in cases, in hospitalizations, and in deaths, according to uh, media reports. Things are getting better, and Ron DeSantis is a big part of that. We need sports back sooner rather than later. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton? You know, watch Creighton. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shane and the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, just I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? You see the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find just the right battery for your vehicle. When you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool to finish the job stop by o'reilly auto parts and ask about their loaner tool program simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool then get your deposit back when it's returned need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly the professional parts people at o'reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? Uh, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.
Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and who doesn't want better sex? But if you have ED, you may be struggling and dragging your feet on solving the problem. Don't put off having a better sex life any longer. Check out Hymns Sex Shoes and bring a new level of excitement and confidence to your sex life. The process is simple and 100% online, no uncomfortable doctor's visits. No insurance is needed. Pay one low price for your treatments, online visits, ongoing shipments, and provider messaging. Hymns has hundreds of thousands of trusted subscribers, so if ED is getting getting you down it's time to change that start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash two pros that's h-i-m-s.com slash two pros for your personalized ed treatment options hymns.com slash two pros prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate restrictions apply see website for details and important safety information subscription required price varies based on product and subscription plan sex choose are compounded products and have not been approved by the FDA. The FDA does not verify the safety or effectiveness of compounded drugs. I heard uh, Phil Mickelson talking a couple days ago, and I wanted to hit this, uh, about the uh, potential of having another golf challenge, which would be a third with Tiger Woods. And reports are out there that he has he and Tiger signed a deal to do three different Tiger versus Phil challenges. First one was on pay-per-view a couple years ago, wildly successful. To their credit, they got Peyton Manning and they got got Tom Brady all rolled in for this challenge. But it was interesting because Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson did something that baseball should be doing. And I want to explain exactly what I mean by this. They could have easily made the decision, we need to maximize our revenue as golfers and insisted that this event be on pay-per-view with Peyton Manning and with Tom Brady. But instead, they read the room. They understood what America is going through right now. 40 million people unemployed. We've got over 100 million, probably, that are either unemployed or have taken substantial pay cuts in this country. And they made the decision to put their challenge on free television i know it was cable but it's free television on tnt and they did it for charity and they raised over 20 million dollars they could have been tone deaf like many athletes are being tone deaf right now and tried to maximize their revenue they didn't do that they put out a great product and they made the world a little bit better place and you know what that means when they come back and they do another one of these events if they get Michael Jordan or Steph Curry or someone like that involved, they're going to theoretically be able to take it back to pay-per-view and make a lot more money on the third go-around than they would have if they hadn't done the one in the second for free. And this is a big takeaway that I think a lot of athletes are missing, and it's why I'm so fired up about the return of sports in general. You heard me talk about how the English Premier League is coming back uh, and how they beat the the NHL and the NBA and Major League Baseball and the MLS, how they beat them all back to play, even though the situation in England is worse than the situation in the United States on a per capita basis. But what's really the most frustrating about this is athletes not understanding that they're in a long-range business as opposed to a short-range business. They need to make sure 
that their business is healthy and that in the years ahead, people are going to want to consume their content and support them as opposed to trying to maximize their revenue right now and not thinking about the long-term effects of that decision. And the long-term effects of alienating 40 million unemployed people and 100 million people who have taken pay cuts by millionaire baseball players arguing with billionaire baseball owners is not in any way a good look for Major League Baseball. This is an untenable situation that baseball finds itself in right now. And all you have to do is look to golf and understand what the value of reading the room and having the right take at the right time can be. I'm sure Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson like golf, uh, like money, every bit as much as those baseball players do. And I'm sure they could have made more money in the short term by putting their golf event with Peyton Manning and Tiger Woods on pay-per-view. But by doing the right thing and raising money as much as they could for charity and by putting it and playing that in front of the largest audience to ever watch a golf match, they have absolutely helped themselves and their brands in the years ahead. They can make back the money that they're not making now based on goodwill that they have created among the American sports audience. Your brand has value in a long-term basis. You can't always make decisions predicated entirely on what am I going to make for the next six months or even what am I going to make for the next year. As we finish off our number one Friday edition of the show, I think this is an instructive lesson for a lot of people out there in their own careers. It's not always the best decision to take the most money when you can because that can ultimately be self-defeating. There are a lot of people listening to me right now out there who have taken jobs for money that they wish they had not taken and in retrospect realize that that ended up costing them in the long run. I've done it. I've taken jobs that weren't the right decision for me as a younger guy because the money was better. But the long-range plan was not right. The long-range plan of Tiger and Phil here was so super smart. The long-range plan right now of Major League Baseball is fundamentally broken. All you have to do is look at the difference in the last week between those two situations to see who's making the right decision and who's making the wrong decision. When we come back, more on Major League Baseball, the NBA returning. We're going to have Chris Mannix, our NBA insider, join us. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find just the right battery for your vehicle. When you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool, 
tool to finish the job, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask about their loaner tool program. Simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool, then get your deposit back when it's returned. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my dance, <laughs> You just heard us breaking down a lot of the NBA-related issues with uh, Chris Mannix there, who's pretty outstanding. Uh, we're scheduled to be joined by Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, in the third hour of this program. And certainly the NBA's decision to be at Disney World will be a part of the discussion that we uh, hope to get into with him. But the more I think about this, uh, the English Premier League is back. And the English Premier League is back despite the fact that there are far more uh, deaths per capita that have occurred in England than have occurred in the United States. And I raise that as an issue because many of these different leagues seem to have been focused on the idea that they needed to be in a bubble-like environment. And I think based on that conversation you just heard me have with Chris Mannix, a lot of you are starting to ask the question, wait a minute, in a world where casinos are back open, and every casino basically in Las Vegas is going to be open next week. In a world where theme parks, amusement parks, uh, like Legoland and uh, SeaWorld and Disney World before long, 
and Universal Studios, where all of those are open back up, and that's occurring, why would we require players to be like the only people who are quarantining at this point based on the way we're opening up America? And I think that's a really interesting question. Because look, I made the argument that a quarantine return might make sense in the world of sports. You might remember uh, months ago, Petros Papadakis came on this radio program and made fun of me because I was making the argument uh, that it could make sense for leagues to come back if they created their own bubble. And we had Dana White talking about uh, the the uh, the UF, and I think they're trying to uh, do the Fight Island. I saw where they had filed for a trademark on UFSEA, uh, UFC, as in a C, a body of water, as opposed to the letter C. Um, and all of those ideas made sense, and maybe the UFC Island could still make sense because you're not letting in a lot of foreign nationals. And so you might have to go to a particular location that you can control in order to get fights taking place for people who are from outside the country. But does it really make sense to even think about quarantining? Remember, Major League Baseball was like, we're going to go to Arizona and all the players are going to be quarantined there and they're going to be away from their families and we're going to play all the games there. And then Major League Baseball said, no, no, no. Now we're going to go to Texas and we're going to go to Florida and we're going to go to Arizona. And then all of those plans, the NBA was going to go to Las Vegas. Now the NBA is going to go to Disney World. All those plans seem like they made sense when the nation as a whole was not open back up. But when you're in Las Vegas and you can look out your window and the strip is full go and you can walk into every casino, it doesn't really make sense to be quarantining your players. And when you can look out your window in Disney World and you can see Mickey and Minnie and all the characters walking around and everybody getting on the buses to go to Disney World, it seems really strange to be quarantining players there too. So I think at least for now, there's probably an argument in the United States that we've passed the idea of quarantine, which means that all these leagues that have spent so much time trying to develop an idea of where they should go and how they should do it doesn't really make sense going forward at all what makes more sense to me is going ahead and using the existing infrastructure the team practice facilities the team arenas and just go ahead and put people on airplanes and fly them around now maybe you go back to in the nba a 232 model so that instead of having everybody go if you were doing this instead of having everybody go Two two one one one, which requires a lot more travel. You go back to the old school two three two model in a seven game series, and that's the way you're going to play it out. In theory, it doesn't really matter where the games are being played uh, because there's no crowds present. So the idea of two three two being less fair is not as substantial. If you did that, you would require potentially much less travel. And I feel like it makes more sense for baseball and for hockey and for the NBA based on the way the country's opening up to start thinking about just keeping the guys in the cities they're already in. And then then you can have a relationship with your family like you would ordinarily during the season. You're just, instead of being in a hotel in Disney World, you're doing it there. I don't know why that doesn't make more sense 
than the idea of doing a quarantine, which might have made sense when the Disney Worlds and Las Vegases of, uh, of the United States are shut down, but certainly doesn't make sense now. Just think about it a little bit. When we come back, we'll talk about the English Premier League, why I'm frustrated that the EPL is back before the NBA, Major League Baseball, the NHL, or the NBA. Uh, and hopefully we're going to be joined by the uh, governor of the state of Florida, Ron DeSantis. I would argue he's the politician who has been the most impactful in terms of returning sports to America. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. 